morning, church. You guys are awake this morning. I love it. Thank you, worship team. I always get so caught up in worship. I almost miss my cue to come up and preach. But I'm so excited to be uh, bringing uh, our passage from Romans to you this morning. It is always an honor and a privilege that I get to stand on this stage. It's not something I take lightly at all. I understand that it is um, a gift and an honor to do so, and I'm so glad that I'm here this morning. But before I jump into today's message, let's open in a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to preach your word to your people. God, I ask that I step back and that the Holy Spirit speaks through me to everyone in this room, to everyone watching online, that you will divide this message, that everyone will hear exactly what they need to hear. God, that you will, will prick our hearts for what we need to do to move forward in you. I thank you for the word that you have given me this morning and the honor to be able to deliver it to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are several weeks into our series on the book of Romans. It's called Faith Alone, A Study of Romans. And this week we're going to jump into chapter 14. If you are um, unfamiliar with the history of the book of Romans, if you have not been here throughout the series, um, the book of Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the Christians that were living in Rome. And he wanted to help them to live out their faith better in the midst of a watching world and to bring unity among them where there was lots and lots of disunity. In Romans 14, the Christians are fighting and arguing over secondary matters of faith. So their personal preference, opinions, things that are not given explicitly as boundaries in the Bible. And one thing I want to think about as we are in the midst of going through these verses this morning is that Paul is not giving Christians the license to sin. That's how some people have translated this text, but that is not correct. He's not saying that Christ's death has given us the freedom to sin without consequence or conviction. And in Romans 13 last week, when um, Russ brought that passage to us, the very end of that chapter, verses 13 and 14, Paul explicitly says, cast off works of darkness, like drunkenness, immorality, and jealousy, and that we are to clothe ourselves with the Lord and not gratify the desires of the flesh. In chapter 14 today, Paul is telling Christians to not judge one another. He is saying, don't judge over disputes or matters of opinion, things that are not in the word of God. And in chapter 14, Paul talks about two different types of believers. He's talking about weak versus strong. Today, if we think about two different types of believers. We think, oh, and he's talking about weak Christians. That must be those that we call C and E Christians, who only attend church on Christmas or Easter, or people who are not strong in their faith. Or maybe a strong believer would be somebody who attends church regularly and volunteers and reads their Bible. But the weak versus strong in this text, the weak are those who have not come to realize their freedom in Christ from the law of Moses. And the strong believers are those that have come to realize that Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross have freed them from those Old Testament laws and that they are now free in Christ. Weak versus strong. So let's jump into the text, Romans 14, verses 1 through 4. It says, Except the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters, one person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats anything must not treat with a contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, 
and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. In the next two verses, he talks about other disputes, like sacred and holy days and whether or not we should eat meat. And then verse 7 through 9, he says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. In verses 6 through 9, what points out to me, stands out to me so much is that there, just in those three verses, seven times Paul says, to the Lord. He's telling the Roman Christians, the Christians in Rome, that their faith is vertical before it is horizontal, that what they do needs to be done to the Lord every single thing. Before it is horizontal, before they look at what their other brothers and sisters are doing, that their relationship with God is to the Lord every single thing they do. They're not to be judging one another or binding each other up with laws that have been made by man. In verses 10 through 13, Paul continues, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we shall all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of your brother and sister. The Christians in Rome were arguing and disputing over differences of opinions, things that didn't explicitly say in the Bible not to do. And the arguments were being watched by the outside world. They were tarnishing their witness. Why would anyone want to be a part of a faith where there was so much division, a group that is not showing love to one another, despite the great love each of them had received by Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. They received freedom and forgiveness, yet they were not showing it to one another. Acceptance. Just like the Roman church, we often judge others on matters of opinion, forgetting how much we have been forgiven and how far we have come. In the very beginning of that text, Paul says, welcome those who are weak in faith. Welcome, accept, bring them in. That is the very first thing that he is asking those Christians to do. And Paul is reminding you and I to do the same, just as he reminded them. A day of judgment is coming for each one of us. When Christ will examine our works, he will judge the weak and the strong to determine which of our deeds were worthwhile or worthless. Our salvation is secure, thank God, but we cannot, that we cannot lose it. But we all will give an account of how we spend our days and how we treat one another. As I was reading this passage and studying this week, I thought, what if today, for the rest of the day, God treated me the way I treated other people? What if he judged me the way I judged other people? What if he did the same for you? <laughs> Judges by our appearance, our actions, for the mistakes we made in the past, or present, or even something we did this morning. I cannot even imagine, just that thought makes me feel so heavy. Because for us as believers, we have experienced love of Jesus. It is incomprehensible that God would judge us the way we judge other people. 
because we understand how much he loves us. We know that the blood shed on the cross for our sins covers our wrongdoings, our imperfections. If we truly understand God's love and forgiveness for us, if we understand that his love covers our sin, why don't we share that with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Why don't we understand that God's covering for us also covers them? Why don't we freely give it away? As we have seen and many of us have experienced that for some reason, many Christians believe the more I judge you, the more that will draw you to Jesus. It is quite the opposite. It pushes people away from Christian community. It has been heartbreaking the last couple of years how divided the church has been on so many issues. So many that I didn't even want to speak them on this stage because I knew <laughs> that at the end of the sermon, some of you wouldn't even think about the sermon title, but the things that I mentioned. Because the church has been so divided, the world has looked at us and not seen the love of God. Jesus, throughout the scriptures, changed the hearts of non-believers by loving them. They saw and felt his genuine love, and that led them to change. That led them to him. Love and acceptance made them want to follow after him. The opposite of judgment is acceptance, welcoming, receiving. And he is asking us to offer to those inside and outside the faith that same non-judgmental love and grace that we have received. When I first became a believer many, many moons ago in college, one of my very first prayers was, Lord, show me others through your eyes. I grew up in the church, and I knew what people were not supposed to do in church, what people were supposed to do in church, so I was a little judgy. Still am, just a little more back then. Um, I'm working on it. But I remember after I said that prayer, I went to college the very next day, and there was a young lady who the day before was dressed in a way that I not think was appropriate. She was acting in a way that I did not think was appropriate, but that next morning after that prayer, I saw her. My heart ached, and I realized how much she needed to know Jesus. I realized that she needed to know the love of the Father. And I pray that prayer every day. That's a prayer that we need to pray more as a church. Lord, show us how to see people through your eyes. Welcoming, accepting, loving instead of judging. I am so thankful that I have grown from that prayer, from life experience, not to judge others. To understand that everyone that I encounter is fighting a battle. They have experienced trauma. Everyone has a story. A couple of weeks ago, Russ and I were talking about this very text that I'm preaching on today. And he said, this is one of my favorite passages in scripture because this is what Murray Hills is based on. This is why we exist. We want to be a church that is united through Christ, not on those opinions not divided over lesser doctrines, but we want to be a church that is united on what the Bible says are our boundaries. When I hear, when I first came on staff at Murray Hills Church, our mission statement was where judgment ends and healing begins. Side note, one of my very first times on stage five years ago, I got up 
to say my mission, the mission statement, I was a little shaky. And I said, where judgment begins and healing ends. <laughs> so thankfully, <laughs> that was corrected. But um, some churches, I'm not judging, maybe a little, but some churches, that is their secret mission statement. And you know that when you walk in the door. But praise God, that is not how Murray Hill operates or exists. Where judgment ends and healing begins. I am so grateful to be a part of a church who not only makes that statement, but fully lives it out. It is not only, it's no longer our mission statement, but it is weaved into the fabric of everything that we do, how we serve each other, how we serve our community. We try our best, even in our human flaws, to show others the love that we have received from Jesus. And I believe this year in 2023, without a shadow of a doubt, that God is calling us to step into that calling so much more than we have ever experienced in the past. If you don't know, we are partnering with Hope Center Ministries. There's a Christ-based recovery center for those dealing with addiction to drugs and alcohol. We raise money to start a, that recovery program here for men in Colombia. And not only do we raise money, but we are partnering with them. They will, the men and their families will be attending church with us. So it's not just a thing that we did, it is a thing that we will do. They will become a part of our church family, a part of our community. And I believe that the past few months with us going through the Book of Romans was not a coincidence at all. Through these lessons, we're learning how to love, how to grow in our faith, how to live in community with all believers, and how to strengthen our witness to the world. I love so much that in the beginning of this text, Paul says, welcome, accept, receive those who are weaker in their faith. Those who are believers that are growing into an understanding of who God is and how much they need him. As a church that has always been our mission, and this year we will live out that mission not just as a group of elders, not just as a staff, not just as our faithful volunteers, but God is calling us to live that out as an entire church body. All hands on deck. Some through volunteering, others offering friendship, support, prayer, discipling. Are you ready? We must continue to intentionally spend time with God individually and corporately as we prepare to walk beside those who will meet Jesus for the very first time. For those who are getting to know him in a new way, God is calling us to grow so that we can experience more of him on this side of heaven. So we're able to look into the eyes of others with love and compassion and not judgment. We must grow in our faith so that we are able to hold up the arms of our brothers and sisters inside and outside of our church body when they are weak. Growth is necessary. It is vital for us as a church so that we will be able to lead others to Jesus. I know God is calling us to experience more of him. I have no doubt in my mind. I sense it so deep in my spirit. But we must grow individually in our faith so we can grow closer as a community. So we can do our very best to present an example of the same Jesus we experience to others. A God who is accepting, loving, caring, who is patient and kind. And as a part of our growth, 
We believe as a church that beginning our year in prayer is vital for what God is calling us into. So this Tuesday, January 10th, we are going to start together 21 days of prayer. We're going to pray over our partnership with Hope Center Ministries. We're going to pray over our world, our children, marriages, those who are single, individual prayer requests. We're going to pray over lots of things together. So Tuesday morning in our church center app that Tim mentioned earlier, we're going to have a link in there to um, a website where you can put in your personal prayer request. We're going to have the video devotionals every Tuesday and Thursday on our main page from our staff members. Every Wednesday morning, I will do um, prayer in our Murray Hills family page on Facebook. So if you're not a part of that, make sure you um, join that as well. We'll be praying Tuesday through January 31st together as a church for growth in individual relationship with Jesus, and all the things we're expecting God to do. I am so excited to see how we will all experience God in a new way, in fresh ways, during this 21 days and during all of 2023. I'm excited to hear all of the um, people that will say that God answered so many of their prayers during this time, and how we will form new habits on growing in our relationship with God by spending time with him. I am filled with anticipation to see how we will grow as believers, how we will learn to welcome, accept, and receive one another and those God brings into our lives and our church. Not just through Hope Center, but all the new families God will bring to us this year. The people in our communities, part of that prayer is that we will slow down and see people. Because God is calling us to be greater witnesses for him to those around us inside and outside of our church. And as part of that witness, we, I want every, we want everyone to think about something that they're praying for for 2023 and to post that on social media, Facebook or Instagram, and tag at Marie Hills. What are you praying for, whether it's something specifically for our church or personal? And I want to flood the timeline for people to see that we are a church that's praying, we are a church that's growing, we are a church that's ready to serve God in all the ways he is calling us to this year. And of course, if you're not on social media, feel free to email um, that prayer request to anybody on staff or info at mariehills.com so we can be praying for one another and in community together. 21 days of prayer. Is anybody ready? Two or three? Anybody ready? I'm excited. I'm excited. God is calling us to so much. I've had so many conversations with people who know that God is calling us to more, and I want us to be ready for that. So 21 days of prayer together. Let's grow. Close this out in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for the reminder this morning that our relationship is vertical before it is horizontal. God, that you will judge us in our final days. God, that we are not to judge anyone around us, that we will all stand before you. God, I also thank you for relationships. I thank you for building community with others so that um, when our brothers and sisters fall or they're not facing you in ways that the Bible tells us, God, but that we can call them into account, we can talk to them in love and grace and truth, God, and lead them back to you. God, I thank you for the next 21 days of prayer. God, I thank you for answering prayers. God, I thank you for healing marriages, healing broken relationships. God, I thank you for children, salvations, adult and young. God, I thank you for just... Um, calling us to a new level of relationship with you. God, I thank you in advance for everything that you're going to do for this next 21 days. In Jesus' name, amen.